So I told y'all already we're talking about mercy today because that is what has been on my mind a lot. Before I have you turn, I want to have you, well actually you can be turning because it'll probably take y'all a while to find it. Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter 9. Well I say it'll take y'all a while, now we've got phones these days. It's pretty quick. But I just wanted to read a couple more verses to you before I read out of Nehemiah. Oh, give thanks. This is, by the way, Psalm 136. Y'all can read this in two when you get home. I just love how this is worded. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for His mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His mercy endureth forever. To Him who alone doeth great wonders, for His mercy endureth forever. To Him that by wisdom made the heavens, for His mercy endureth forever. To Him that stretched out the earth above the waters, for His mercy endureth forever. To Him that made the great lights, for His mercy endureth forever. The sun to rule by day, for His mercy endureth forever. And the moon and stars to rule by night, for His mercy endureth forever. I didn't repeat that every time. I mean, the Bible says that every single time. Actually, when I was looking into mercy, I was amazed to see that there are 40, over 40, it's depending on how you count it, 43 could be 45. Over 40, though, verses in the Bible that say that exact quote, His mercy endureth forever. Sometimes it will say, His mercy is everlasting. And, well, if you've ever been in a place where you need mercy, that's comforting. <laughs> that's very comforting. Um, I mean, surely to goodness, you know, for the adults here, I know, you know, I'm talking about mercy and mostly we're a house of children. But uh, surely to goodness for the adults here, if you've really been thoughtful about your own soul, there have been times where you felt like you was beyond mercy. You know, surely. I'll try not to get emotional today. I don't really like being emotional. I just can't help it. You know, when I reflect upon the things in my life, and in other lives of people I know, you know, the tender mercies of God are very touching to me. And if you've ever needed the mercy, you know why. And so, really, I just wanted to encourage you guys today. And I'm going to give some instruction, too. We got, we got, we got some work to do, right? We got some application we're going to get to. But I wanted to encourage you from the Word of God, not from my own words, but to, to know just that, that His mercy does endure forever, that His mercy is everlasting. And it's, it, it makes a point to say it, like I said, over 40 times. So it doesn't just say it once. This is not an obscure verse. No, this, is, this teaching is actually all through the Bible. And, uh, you know, I have no idea. I have no idea what any of you go through. We're a small congregation, you know. Um, but I know if it's affected me at times past, it surely has affected y'all. It may affect one of you today. It may not. But if you've ever felt like you're beyond the mercies of God, you're not. 
I can assure you if you're here today, you're not. You're not beyond the mercies of God. If you've ever felt like, I'm unforgivable. I'm just never going to get through this. Well, you're wrong. And there's a way. There's a way to feel that mercy of God again. But I want to show you something out of Nehemiah. I, I was actually going to read this. This, this. Almost this whole chapter is quoted in Psalm 106 also. It, they're, so, they're so parallel, you could almost... I couldn't even decide which one to read. I just, I just wanted to read whichever one was the most clear. But they say almost the exact same thing. Um, and I just want you to think about, as I'm reading this, I'm going to point out very briefly and highlight some things that I want you to notice. But this chapter is about the failures, the sins, and the uh, failings, and the wickedness, at times even, of the people of God, of the children of Israel, during the days of Abraham, during the days of Moses, during the days of David. This, this chapter sort of recounts that, but then talks about the wonderful mercies of God. So let's read it. Nehemiah chapter 9, we're going to start at verse 6. That really gets to the substance of it. Thou, this is what the, okay, so there's, there's singers here in Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a time of revival. And they've appointed singers, and these singers are like standing on the stairway there, and they're singing this. Thou, even thou art Lord alone. Thou hast made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and all things that are therein, the seas and all that is therein, and thou preservest them all. And the host of heaven worshipeth thee. Thou art the Lord, the God, who didst choose Abram, and brought him forth out of Ur of the Chaldees, and gave him the name of Abraham, and found his heart faithful before thee, and made a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, and the Girgashites, to give it, I say, to his seed, and hast performed thy words, for thou art righteous. And did see the affliction of our fathers in Egypt, and heard their cry, I want you to remember that part, and heard their cry, by the Red Sea, and showed signs and wonders upon Pharaoh and upon all his servants and upon all the people of his land, for thou knew that they dealt proudly against them. So didst thou get thee, so didst thou get thee a name as it is this day. And thou, this is still there, this is a song. They're praising the Lord here. And thou didst divide the sea before them, so that they went through the midst of the sea on dry land. And their persecutors thou threw into the deeps as a stone into the mighty waters. Moreover, thou led them in the day by a cloudy pillar, and in the night by a pillar of fire to give them light in the way wherein they should go. Thou came down also upon Mount Sinai, and spake with them from heaven, and gave them right judgments and true laws, good statutes and commandments, and made known unto them thy holy Sabbath, and commanded them precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses thy servant, and gave them bread from heaven for their hunger, and brought forth water for them out of a rock for their thirst, and promised them that they should go in to possess the land which you had sworn to give them. But they, man, God done a lot already, hadn't he? <laughs> I mean, he delivered them out of Egypt, fed them with bread from heaven, Led them by a pillar of smoke in the day and 
fire by night so that they could see where to go. Made it that the clothes wouldn't wear out. Shoes, they wore the same shoes 40 years. That's amazing. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's a, one of the most amazing miracles in the whole Bible. Much of his shoes go falling apart around here. The Lord did a lot for him already. <laughs> Sorry, James. He gave him the word of God, gave him commandments, gave him blessings. But look at verse 16. But they and our fathers, and we should just put there, we, but they, our fathers, and we, because that's actually how this chapter ends, dealt proudly and hardened their necks and hearkened not to thy commandments, to thy commandments, and refused to obey. Neither were mindful of thy wonders that thou did among them, but hardened their necks, and in their rebellion appointed a captain to return to their bondage. But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and forsook them not. Yea, when they had made them a molten calf, and said, This is thy God that brought thee up out of Egypt, and had wrought great provocations, that's temptations, troubles, provoking the Lord. Yet thou, in thy manifold, which means many abundant mercies, yet thou in thy manifold mercies forsook them not in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud departed not from them by day to lead them in the way, neither the pillar of fire by night to show them light in the way wherein they should go. Thou gave also thy good spirit to instruct them, and withheld not thy manna from their mouth, and gave them water for their thirst. Yea, forty years did thou sustain them in the wilderness, that they lacked nothing. Their clothes waxed not old, and their feet swelled not. Moreover, thou gave them kingdoms and nations, and did divide them into corners, so they possessed the land of Sihon, and the land of the king of Heshbon and the land of Og, king of Bashan. Their children also multiplied thou as the stars of heaven and brought them into the land concerning which thou had promised to their fathers that they should go and possess it. So the children went in and possessed the land. And thou subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them into their hands with their kings. This is saying God conquered the Canaanites for them and gave the Canaanites into the hands of the Israelites. Gave them into their hands with their kings and the people of the land that they might do with them as they would. And they, still Israelites, and they took strong cities and the fat land and possessed houses full of all goods, wells digged, vineyards and olive yards and fruit trees in abundance. So they did eat and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in thy great goodness. Listen, again, nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against thee and cast thy law behind their backs and slew the prophets which testified against them to turn them to thee. And they worked great provocations. Therefore thou delivered them into the hand of their enemies who vexed them. And in their time of trouble, listen, again, when they cried unto thee, thou heard them from heaven, 
And according to thy manifold mercies, that many abundant mercies, thou gave them saviors who saved them out of the hand of their enemies. But after they had rest, they did evil again before thee. Therefore left thou them in the hand of their enemies, so that they had dominion over them. Yet when they returned and cried unto thee, thou heard them from heaven. And many times did thou deliver them according to thy mercies, and testified against them that thou might bring them again unto thy law. Yet they dealt proudly, and hearkened not unto thy commandment, but sinned against thy judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. And withdrew the shoulder, and hardened their neck, and would not hear. Yet many years thou did forbear them, and testify against them by thy spirit in the prophets, yet they would not give ear. Therefore gave thou, gavest thou them into the hands of the people of the lands. Listen, I'm going to quit here. Nevertheless, for thy great mercy's sake, thou didst not utterly consume them nor forsake them, for thou art a gracious and merciful God. If you study the history of God's... We're God's people, by the way. Just so you know, we're God's people. So just what is said of them is applies to us. But today, in today's time, in God's eyes, there's neither Jew nor Greek. We're all one in Christ Jesus. We're God's people. If you look at, the reason I wanted to read that, and like I said, there's, there's other chapters. In fact, you know, Acts chapter uh, 8, where Stephen the martyr is stoned in the New Testament, he recounts this right here too. Psalm 106. There's a recounting of this several places in the Bible. And if you look at them, because I carefully read them, every single one of them, multiple times, Every time the people turned their heart to God, cried out unto the Lord, He saved them. He rescued them. Every time. And I thought about going through and listing some of the sins that they committed. Because I'm never one, and we ought not ever be a people that's just okay with sin or that condones sin in any way. But we also ought not be a people, and I'm going to show you that, that condemns the sinners that's not our job to. Now, judgment is a part of our job, but I'll explain that in just a minute. But, you know, people, if you ever was in church, out of church for a while, ever struggled with things, you've dealt with at a time feeling like, man, I'm, I'm unforgivable. I'm unforgivable. I've drifted too far. Or I've done something too great. I knew something was, I, it was wrong in my heart, and I knew it was, and I still did it. And how could God ever forgive me? If you go through, now you're not ever supposed to use other people. To justify yourself. That's not what we're doing. We're not going to ever justify our sin by looking at another person's sin. But what we can learn is the mercies of God that will justify us through the blood of Christ even though we are a sinner. And we learn that by looking at them. They committed, uh, okay, it listed one of them here. They made a molten calf and worshipped it. And said, this is God. That's, you know, like... I would literally not want to be ever caught dead doing something like that. They turned their back. It actually says in Psalm 106, and they went and worshipped idols and the gods of the heathen. It also says in Psalm 106, and they sacrificed their children. They did some absolutely. Well, it says in so much that God abhorred 
his inheritance. And if it wasn't for the sake of Moses interceding on their behalf, he would have been done with them altogether. But because Moses prayed, what Jesus prayed, what Stephen prayed, Lord, forgive them. Because someone prayed it. God did forgive them. They wouldn't even pray it for themselves, I'm saying. And he still forgave them for the sake of someone who was praying for them. And that's what mercy does. Of course, I'll, we're going to talk about, let's, let's get to it here. First, I want you to see the mercy of God. There's nothing standing between you and the mercies of God other than you crying out to the Lord for mercy. That's it. And sometimes, even that, God's just still bestowing mercy on us even when we're not crying out for it. But there's two principles in the Bible about mercy. And I want to show you both of them. One of them you're going to take home with you and it's something for you to work on. The other one you're going to rejoice in and know that an instant right relationship can happen between you and God right now. Just by crying out. Just like they did. And they was in the midst of Egypt. They were still in the midst of Babylon, basically. Cried out, God delivered them. They was in the midst of, well, I mean, I just wish y'all could, I just wish sometimes we had time to just go through the whole Old Testament and look at this stuff and let me just stand here and talk for five hours and y'all would just be like, oh my goodness, I just can't believe it. God is exactly what it says. Full, full, that's filled, full of tender mercies and ready to save. That is our God. Our God is not full of anger and hatred towards everyone of you. That ain't it. God hates sin, for sure. But his love for us outweighs his hatred for sin. That's why his son came. All right, but there's two principles. Because I was thinking about this, because I went through and read it. And I'm like, you know, every time they ask for mercy, God gave it. Every single time. There's never one time that I read in there where they cried out and God just said, no, just forget y'all. It's too much. I'm not turning back. And no, every single time they cried out, it said that he heard them. But I learned another principle in the New Testament, and this is what I want to spend the next 15 minutes or so. I'm going to try and be brief today. Spend the next 15 minutes telling you about. If you feel like you need the mercies of God, and maybe you've even been praying for it, and you just ain't feeling this, like, this level of forgiveness that you really would like to feel. Well, the first principle of receiving mercy is ask for it from the heart. Crying out. When it says they cried out, that was from the heart. You don't cry out unless it's from the heart. So the first thing, if you want mercy, just ask God for it. But the second thing is, if you feel like, hey, I've been asking God for it, and I'm, I'm, I'm left with something here, I found another principle in the Bible, and it's this. To receive mercy, you must give mercy. God will not be merciful upon you if you will not be merciful upon others. Jesus said it this way. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. James said it this way. For he shall have judgment without mercy, which hath shown no mercy. Jesus also said it this way. With what measure or however that was, what's that word? It was like the word meat. Basically it's from meter. With what, well, with what judgment you judge is how you'll be judged. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't judge right and wrong. Of course we judge right and wrong. But what that does mean is what I'm going to show you right here. If y'all want to turn there, you can. But I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 9. 
As you see, really, in what Jesus said, there's a promise. When he said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. That's essentially a promise. That if you are merciful, God will be merciful to you. In fact, even in the Lord's Prayer, when they, when they said, teach us how to pray, in the Lord's Prayer, we know that line, Lord, forgive our debts. But he didn't just stop there, because that's what we do. Lord, forgive our sins. <laughs> he said, as we forgive those that are indebted to us. So what he's saying is, in the, when the Lord is saying, this is how you pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Forgive us our debts as we forgive them. He's saying, pray that way. So it's a, it's a twofold prayer. Pray that there's forgiveness in your heart because you need that mercy. You need that forgiveness in your heart. In fact, he went on to say, if you forgive men their trespasses, my Father which is in heaven will forgive you your trespasses. But if you forgive men not their trespasses, neither will my Father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. He, he laid it out there exactly what I'm telling you about. All right, Matthew chapter 9. I just wanted to show you something else see verse 10 Matthew 9 verse 10 and it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house behold many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples and when the Pharisees saw it by the way every time you see the word Pharisees in the Bible just put church people because that's literally what that means they was church people Church people is good people. The Pharisees was actually good people. They get a bad rap in a lot of ways, but a lot of Pharisees converted and went on to follow Christ. A lot of them did not. But just because it says Pharisee, don't people think like Pharisee, oh, that's some Pharisees. No, wait a minute. Uh, we're more like the Pharisees in so many ways than what we want to admit. We really are, believe me. If you really start to examine yourself for this, we've got to be careful. So just put church people. And when the church people saw it, they said to his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. What does that mean? Because when any time that Jesus said this more than one time, Anytime Jesus said, go and learn what this means. We need to stop and go and learn what that means. When Jesus said, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. What did he mean by that? What he means is this. He says it in another place. We'll read it in just a minute. He's actually quoting from the Old Testament. When Actually, it's from Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. And God was talking about their tithes and their sacrifices and their offerings and all of this stuff that they was doing, which they thought that was their righteousness. So follow me on this, please. I ain't preaching on anybody because I don't think anybody here is really guilty of this. I just want you to be enlightened to this. You take all the offerings you put in the plate, if you ever put it in the plate, at wherever church you've been going to. You take all of the stuff in your closet that you think is your righteousness. Because we have a tendency to do that. Now, I'm not saying you dress immodest. Of course you dress modest. But don't ever think that it's your righteousness. But you take everything in your life that you do as a work. 
that you think in some way makes you right or perhaps better than the guy out there that's not doing that stuff. Because look, look at it this way. When he says, I'll have mercy and not sacrifice to the Jews. See, we don't do sacrifices anymore. We don't do that stuff. We don't have sacrifices and burnt offerings and all that kind of stuff. But that's what they had. That was their acts of religiousness, so to speak. And it was even right at that time. It was ordained by God even. They were supposed to bring a sacrifice for their sin. They were even doing what they're supposed to do. The problem was they was exalting themselves in just doing what they're supposed to do. And what Jesus is actually saying is this. God prefers mercy more than sacrifice. So you might have this guy, <laughs> this guy in the community who is like, you think, man, you know, he needs to get his act together. Why ain't he doing this? Why ain't he doing this? Why ain't he doing that? I mean, he says he's going to church or whatever, but he's, he ain't cleaned his language up like I wish he would. Or why don't he cover them tattoos or something? You know, religious people, Pharisees, are really quick to judge. And what Jesus is saying is if you really want to do something, what, when it says, I will, and it's saying God wills, God wants, think of it that way, mercy more than sacrifice. Mercy is one of the most righteous things you can do. So my point was you take all of the stuff that we might put in a collection plate or something that we donate to the community or something that we do for people, and I encourage every bit of that. But if we fail in mercy, God would rather you, look, keep your money, man. Keep your stuff. Just be merciful to your brother. Be merciful. Extend mercy to him. Help him up out of ditch. Like the story when you know Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. They said, oh Lord, who's my neighbor? I'm going to try and catch him. And he gave him the story of the man that fell among the thieves. And a priest came to him. Levi priest even. These are good people. And passed, passed him by. Another Levite priest wouldn't even look upon him and just passed him by as he was ignoring the man's laying there in the ditch. And another man who was his enemy, a Samaritan. See, Samaritans and Jews were like lions and hyenas. They were enemies. They were arch enemies with each other. A Samaritan comes by and sees him and goes over to him. He says, and he pours in oil and ointment and binds up his wounds and picks him up and puts him upon his own horse. And now his enemy is on his horse, and he's walking, holding the horse, and he carries him to a hotel, the closest place he could get him to. And he goes into the keeper of the hotel, and he says, here's some money, feed him, house him. And when I come back for him, if there's any debt he's acquired in the meantime, I'll pay that too. That's mercy. That is mercy. That's mercy illustrated. In other words, mercy is not just this. Well, I forgive you, but I'm going to leave you to rot in your misery. That's not really mercy. See, mercy is something that's even more than forgiveness. I was going to spend 20 minutes sorting those out for you guys in your mind. Showing how there's a difference between forgiveness and mercy. Forgiveness is an act of mercy. But mercy doesn't end there. Mercy goes on. In fact, the closest word... And our modern usage to mercy is blessing. Blessing, not forgiveness. Mercy, it's, well, in fact, in the Old Testament, a lot of times, 
when it'll say something like, but God showed mercy and he poured out rain and the crops grew and the people flourished. We look at that as God showed, God gave a blessing and he poured out rain and the crops grew. But really it says it was mercy. It was mercy upon the people anytime God did that. And the Samaritan that came to the man, he showed him mercy. And so that's the meaning. Here's my point. Listen, we are religious people. I'm a religious man. We shouldn't be religious people. We have a religion. So I'm not knocking acts of religion. I'm not. But God said, I would rather see mercy from you. So you can do all of the religious outward actions you want to do. But if you're not merciful in heart, he's displeased with you. Let me read you one more thing. From Matthew 12. Jesus was, you know, uh, Jesus was a man of amazing strength, honestly. If you follow his travels. He hardly ever stopped to eat. He was walking on foot 10, 15 miles a day it seems like. And he never stopped. He was even just sleeping on the pathways. You know, just on the go. He was on a mission, man. He was a man of mighty strength. And of course his disciples were fatigued on a regular basis. Because they were trying to hang with him. <laughs> and there's times they're eating and he's not. If you pay attention to it he don't even eat. He just keeps going. And they're just kind of eating on the way. And this is one of those times and it's in Matthew chapter 12 and they were traveling and they had gone through a cornfield and the disciples was picking some corn and eating it as they're walking through the field on the Sabbath day. And again, the Pharisees began to accuse him or accuse the disciples and condemn him. And this was his answer. He said, if you knew what this means, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. He says it again. This is the second time. It's a different occurrence. If you knew what this means or what this meant, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Then you would not have condemned the guiltless. If you knew the meaning of that, if you understood the weight of that, you would not have condemned the guiltless. And here's why he says it to them right then. This is where we really need to be so careful. If we are condemning, see, condemning is a form of judgment. When you judge, you're sorting out right and wrong. That's what judgment is. It's really discernment. But now when you sentence someone, that's what he's talking about. So you've judged out right and wrong. But now you're like, you're actually condemning them. In other words, you're senten sentencing them to condemnation. That's the meaning of it. So it's not just saying, oh, that's not right. It's, it's good to say, hey, that's not right. But it's bad to say, hey, that's not right. And I don't, don't you come to my church no more. I don't want to say, no, 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 no. That's not right. But God is merciful and ready to save. So we pray for him. We encourage him or whatever. Well, anyway, so the Pharisees, the church people, his disciples was eating corn on the Sabbath day, and they said, hey man, that's against the law. You are God in the flesh. You're claiming to be God in the flesh, and you're going to let your disciples break your own law? That's not right. And he says that they're not breaking the law. Basically, if you look into the whole history of it, I'm not going to go into it. They're doing it out of necessity. Love is the fulfilling of the law, and if they don't eat, man, they're going to faint here right in the path. They need to eat. And he uses David as an example. When David had come off the battlefield and his men were hungry, they actually went into the holy place where the showbread was, which was supposed to be a picture of the body of Christ, and they're just starving, and so they just devour it and eat everything on the table. Now, in the law, any man that did that was supposed to fall dead. That's the law. It was supposed to fall dead for that. But David did not. Nor did his men. 
And so, you know, they basically, in the eyes of the people, they broke a huge, vitally important law of God. But why didn't they fall dead? And again, Jesus tells them they did it to save their lives. They, it wasn't, they wasn't doing it out of a motivation to break the law. They was doing it for the sake of life, for the sake of food, for the sake of survival. It wasn't the way that the people interpreted it. And so, and here's the, here's the point the second time around. So the first time around when Jesus uses that saying, he teaches us that mercy, if we're going to try and do anything righteous, mercy outweighs so many other of those things. Mercy, love. Well, he even says it, you know, mercy, love, meekness, gentleness, kindness against such. There is no law. There's no law against that stuff. You shed that stuff as abundantly as you know how on everybody that you come across. Because that's what God wants to see out of us. But, so the first time, he uses that. I will have mercy, not sacrifice. He's teaching us that mercy is greater than sacrifice. As it says in another place, obedience is better than sacrifice. And then the second time he uses it, what he's actually teaching us is that if you condemn the guiltless, you have condemned yourself. You have actually condemned yourself. That's why he says, if you knew what that meant, you would not have said that. You would not have just said that about that person. If you knew the meaning of it. Because in so condemning a guiltless man, you have now become guilty. And you thinking that you're more righteous, you have just become less righteous. You know, I always want to be careful. Because God deals with issues of the heart and men don't see the heart. But I, I just know this much. Let me, let me say this and I'll close. A man who thinks himself to be religiously elevated... He thinks he's living good with God. He really does think he's living more right than pretty much everybody else around him. A man who thinks of himself that way may actually have less righteousness in his account, in his book, than the guy who looks rough, acts rough, even talks rough sometimes, but will give everyone a good shirt off his back right now. I promise you that's the Bible's teaching. The publicans and the sinners that would come and wash Jesus' feet with their hair, they were more right in God's sight than in the sight of all the nation of people. All the nation was like, no, it's the Pharisees. The Pharisees are the ones that's right, man. Look, they, boy, they put so much emphasis on that law and they do so good. They gotta be godly people. If it's harder for... A camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a Pharisee to go to heaven, then nobody can go to heaven because, I mean, the Pharisees, man, they are the right people. Look at them. Look at how they live. And believe me, I believe in living good. But every time we run into it, what does it say? There was a Pharisee standing there and praying. He said, oh, God, I thank you that I'm not such as this publican over here. I'm so thankful that I know the difference between right and wrong, and I choose right all the time, at least most of the time. I'm so thankful that everybody thinks I'm a spiritual man. But the publican would not so much as lift his eyes up to heaven for his shame and pound it on his chest and say, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, which one of these men went home justified? The church man or the sinner man? And it was the sinner. That was the answer. And the man who has love for the people, I'm saying, I don't, I don't want to blur the line. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? I, incur, I, I want you to live as right as you possibly know how, but don't ever think highly of yourself for that. 
you're only doing what you're supposed to do. If you want to look at yourself and say, I'm getting closer to God, ask yourself this, am I showing more mercy today than I did yesterday? Am I loving my brother more today than I did yesterday? Because if I'm not growing in the things of mercy and love, I ain't growing. I'm not growing. Because that's what Jesus come and showed us. In other words, if I'm only moving towards, you know, the outward things, polishing the cup, as they said, painting the grave, but inside I'm still full of dead men's bones, if that's what I'm doing, I'm not growing. You know, I'm paying tithes of the niece and his up, the smallest things, that's what he said. They do all of this stuff and they start to see themselves as, man, I've been, you know, I've been doing good. I've been laying that down, I've been laying that down, I've been laying that down. And I laid all that stuff down. And Jesus is saying, that's wonderful. Don't leave that undone. But pick up mercy. Pick up grace. Add unto yourselves virtue. Into virtue, brotherly kindness. Into brotherly kindness, patience. Into patience, temperance. You see what I'm saying? That's what God wants to see from us. He's not nearly as concerned as we are with one another's uh, outward things, you know. Don't start cussing. I ain't condoning cussing, don't cuss. But don't just condemn a, a man, you know what I mean? Because he did. I, I'm preaching on me. I'm guilty of this stuff more than anybody, which is exactly why I'm in the position I'm in right now. That's what I'm guilty of. But I want to be merciful. I want to be, I want to know right and wrong. But I tell you this right now, if I'm going to be judged. Or if I'm going to be given mercy according to how abundantly I give mercy, boy, I better start laying on the mercy, man, because I need it. Big time. All right. I'm sorry. Didn't even mean to go into all that. Rainy, we got breakfast. It's breakfast Sunday. We're going to try and make that a tradition. I think we're going to do breakfast every Sunday. And she's been dying to get after it. So let's do it. Brother Allen? Well, if nobody, anybody have anything to say? Not every Sunday. Every first Sunday is what I meant to say. Every first Sunday. I mean, well, that's what I want to do. I love breakfast for lunch. If it, you know, if anybody has a problem with that, speak now forever. Hold your peace. That's all I know to tell you. Uh, Brother Allen, you care to close us out? Good morning, Father. We thank you for today. We thank you that we were able to be together. We thank you for your mercy.